Hello and welcome to Whatever Comes Next, the number one podcast for creatives, according to our mums. I'm Elise. And I'm Denny. And on today's episode, Seven News put out a billboard with Lorem Ipsum on it, but was it an accident or a publicity stunt? The Avatar sequel has a new logo that isn't papyrus, but is it any good? And we're going to be sharing all the things working in a design studio has taught us. But first, how you been, girlfriend? I've been good. Yeah, what's been uh, happening? Uh, not a lot. I've never felt closer to the age of 30 <laughs> than ever before. Like, I've been coming into this year being like, yes, 30, it's going to be a cracking year. Like, yeah. 30, 30, it's going to yeah. be fine. Yesterday, I was getting into the car and I blew my knee out. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, I just don't understand <laughs> how it happened, what happened. But I was literally just getting into the car and I was in all sorts. So... I'm feeling old, older than I need to be. It's very sad. It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I had Mother's Day on Sunday. Happy Mother's as Day. As everyone did. But my first Mother's Day stall like gift from oh, school. Yes. So it was a cracker one. How good. I got um, two really big key rings <laughs> with, um, they were pink high heels. Beautiful. And there was two of them and when I opened them, my son was like, I thought they were earrings, that's why I bought two. I was like, so cute. Bless your soul, but I do not ever want these to be earrings. Uh, but like, I wonder if did he like talk to the pe- lady well, at the store? You know, the person at the store. I said, I was like, surely they could have been like, oh, Dylan, what? Like, why are you buying two? Yeah. Like, they could have just kind of asked that. But he also bought like his nan and yeah, his okay. ma a present too. So maybe they just assumed like he was buying one for yeah, everyone. Okay. Maybe he thought that you had two. Mu- he had two mummies, and they didn't want to be offensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they could have. Who knows? knows? And other than that, I've been actually, I've been loving Pinterest lately. I have. I love a bit of Pinterest. Yeah. So I've been creating my own pins. Oh, creating your own. Yes. How's that going? It's great. I'm kind of like dabbling between, do you know how there's like idea pins and just a normal pin now? Uh, Vaguely. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So I'm like dabbling to see which one's getting me more traction. Yep. Idea pins seem to be the go. So they're like a carousel of multiple videos. It's kind of like a story. Yeah, like okay. Instagram story. Yep. That seems to be getting me less attraction. It's lots of fun. I really nice. like it. Go, um, go. That's about all I've been up to. What you been up to, girlfriend? What have I been up to? Um, it's like embarrassing, uh, not embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if the microphone can pick up Gerald, the cat, meowing. <laughs> I locked him in the room. Should I unlock him? I feel, I mean, he's just going to keep going. So okay, I guess it's our best him. way forward. Please hold. <laughs> Okay. Gerald has been let free. <laughs> he now he's going to be an absolute menace. He will be. He's featured on the... He can, he's meowing even louder in here. He has featured on the podcast before. Yeah. He actually... No, he's great for views. Get in the views. Get in the video, Jez, because he is our most watched Instagram <laughs> reel. <laughs> of course he is. Um, but back on topic. So, uh, yeah, not embarrassing. I meant uh, more... Well, I've just been watching a lot of Netflix is what I've been doing. Yeah, right. So Gerald is now on the table. Hello, friend. Welcome oh. to welcome to the podcast. Um, so apologies for the banging noises. That's Gerald. Um, so I watched um, last episode. He's rubbing himself on my microphone. Last episode, I spoke about... He can sit on my lap. Last episode, I spoke about Selling Sunset. I watched yep. the new season. So they had a reunion episode and... Uh, like where they got together after the season had aired. Oh yes, yeah, and like yep. discussed it. Um, it was you are one damn persistent cat. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was uh, it was great. I loved it. Was it, was it so really? Good. So you know how? What about the relationship yes, bonanza? What it, happened? It came up. So it was like honestly like emotional. <laughs> I'm invested. So um, they like. Uh, they talked about the relationship and so um, in you know how I said that uh, there was a rumour that Chrishell, the woman in the relationship, was dating G-Flip? Yes. It was confirmed. They confirmed it at the reunion. Oh, so, no way. Yeah. So is it, wait, is the reunion live? Uh, no, it, like it was pre-recorded but they recorded it like, so I don't know, season five was probably filmed like last year. Yeah, okay. And then the reunion was filmed like 
uh, about a month ago or a few weeks ago. So it's fairly fresh. Like after the season had aired, they filmed the reunion. Okay, right. Yeah, gotcha. So everyone knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, Chriselle confirmed she's dating G. I didn't know that G is non-binary. So yeah. I didn't know that. So last week I misgendered them. So G Flip and Chriselle are dating and it's like public and I'm so into it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because like I feel like it's refreshing. Did like, it only just come out like... As the whole wrap up of the reunion kind of came out, did is that when the, they kind of announced it? So they, Chriselle was in G's new music video, yeah, and like that came out, and there was like rumors, and like they were seen hanging out. So it's like maybe a couple, like two weeks before the okay, reunion right. is when it started like being spoken about. Um, but like I don't know, I feel like a lot of the times like celebs keep their relationships private, which is totally fine. But I don't know, I just find it fun that they're like casually dating and just open about it. Which like I don't know, like I just think I don't know. It could be it could be like maybe it could be a publicity stunt, but I don't think it is. Like I feel like they're just you're so invested. Oh, you're I so am. happy for. Them. But like okay, but I'm also like super invested in like her relationship with With Jason with shocking so I'm like uh like I'm really happy that she's happy and having fun with G but can you get back together with Jason like but like Jason was so supportive of Chriselle like dating G flip and and like but also he was like he's like a very like stoic man he does not emote and like he was crying and so that made me sad (laughs) did you cry no but I got emotional (laughs) um so anyway, that I watched that. It was great. I'm just, I'm on board with it. It's just given me so much more appreciation for Chriselle. I'm like, you go, girlfriend. I'm a fan. Um, All right, I, we got to do something about this cat. It's it's fine. He can just keep doing parkour. <laughs> Come here, buddy. Um, I also watched. So have you seen on Netflix? There is a new show called Heartstopper. No. So I, it came up, and I was like. Uh, I don't know like it must have I must have watched it pretty soon after it came out because I didn't see it advertised anywhere but it came up I was like it the trailer started auto playing and I was like I'm immediately hooked it has like uh so basically it's a based in a high school in England and it's about (laughs) Gerald is back on the table um it's about a um a like a friendship group in this school and one of the characters is gay and he uh has a crush on this other character and it's like the development of their relationship it's like it's so cute so wholesome just like sugary feel good I loved it so kind of just like a little rom-com book but in a well it literally it was it was based off a a graphic novel oh and and like i think that i think it was originally like on tumblr or something like it's like a cartoon kind of thing yeah right or like a webtoon i suppose um but yeah like the the soundtrack was like that like popular like 80s synthy kind of like uh it reminded me like not just because it is a gay love story but like love simon also had that very like synthy soundtrack yep. in school and so it gave me those vibes but yeah it was just I loved it I, I like devoured it I think there was like about eight episodes probably watched it in like two days like it was just delightful so I recommend it I will add it to give the it list. a watch I will it I mean it lovely. hasn't been top weather anyway so it's perfect weather to be mm. doing that some binging yeah so I recommend that that's what I've been doing binging sounds excellent Abel should we <laughs> move on to water cooler chat yeah let's do it Okay, so <laughs> this one made me laugh. I saw this this week or last week. Um, Seven News put out a billboard. It was spotted on Parramatta Road, but uh, it had Lorem Ipsum on it. So for our non-designer pals, Lorem Ipsum is just like Latin nonsensical placeholder text that we use when we're designing before we have the real copy. And someone spotted this. It had... Old mate Mark Ferguson's face <laughs> and big old headline in Lorem Ipsum. Um, and so I think I saw it and I was like, that's hilarious, that poor designer. And then I was like, oh, is this a publicity, su- publicity stunt? It could have been better if it was a publicity stunt. Yeah. Well, I thought like, so for it to be an accident, the designer had to make this error. They had to either forget to replace the text or send the draft file rather than the final file. Yeah. So they've seen it. And then at minimum, the person at the ad company that owns the billboard that 
liaised with them had to see it. So at a minimum, two people have seen this file, probably more. Yeah. So I I'm feel like, like it's a hard one to get through. Yeah. I don't know how that process works. Like does the is the billboard company just like does the person that gets emailed just like not open up that file and just like send it straight through to their system? But like it, I've kind of had the same kind of mishaps like with spelling mistakes in headlines on print copy. Yeah. Like is that printer not opening that up and saying, oh, like, yeah, just for the heads up? Mm. Or they just be like, haha, idiot. I don't know. Like because I feel like it, it wasn't like a huge amount of text. It's just like literally a headline yeah. and like a, a byline and so – or like a subheading, whatever. So it's not very much text. So it's not like it's a whole paragraph where you could easily slip in a, a typo. Yeah. So I was kind of just like, it's weird that uh, like the designer sending it through the person at that company would completely miss that, but not impossible. Yeah. But also in like those big in-house kind of like businesses, mm. there's usually, usually like designer. Yeah. Marketing. Yeah, exactly. marketing. You would think before be it gets to that next yeah. level. Or there could even be like an if they're using an external agency, then they would have their internal team also liaising with the external team. So then there'd be another layer. Like I just find it unlikely that that would happen, but also still not impossible. Mm. So then the alternative is it's a publicity stunt, in which case like that's terrible, a bit lame. Especially because <laughs> like, some people don't know what it is. Like they could be yeah. like, what language are they speaking? Well, that's it. Like I saw some articles explaining it and they were like, lorem ipsum is Latin, blah, blah. And it's just like, like yeah, I, I get that you're like exp- – you need to explain it, but like, I don't know. It just came across as like no one knows what no one knows what is happening. Everyone's mm. like, maybe like maybe people actually use this language. It's like no, like lorem ipsum is not real Latin. It's it's like Latin that doesn't even make sense in Latin. Mm. It's just placeholder. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, not yeah, into this one. <laughs> probably probably not a publicity stunt, but also like as a designer, there have been those moments, like you say, where you like make that error and it, like your stomach like sinks or like you think you made an error and you're like oh my god is it my fault is it my fault is it my fault so like I have a lot of sim- myself a yeah, bit. <laughs> sympathy for that designer if that is the case and I hope that they didn't get in trouble <laughs> Alrighty, shall we move on to our next story yeah we shall avatar yes he's not using papyrus in their new sequel they're not if people like remember or throw your mind back to 2009 or whenever. I think that's when it's Avatar came up. Ago. It's a long time ago. Wow. It's a very long, very long time between the original and the sequel. Anyway, so the original Avatar poster logo, you know what we're talking about, Avatar, um, was written in not like it was based on papyrus. It was a little bit modified, but it was papyrus. Yeah. So if people can't imagine that poster specifically, think of every like – when you're in year seven and you had to write an ancient history paper, you probably wrote it in papyrus because it's like this. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you like, did. It looks like textured calligraphy. The designer made it to like look like it could have been from biblical times. Like it's very... It, it reminds me of like the, the airbender. Oh, yeah, like that avatar. Yeah. Is that avatar? Well, it's a different avatar. Yeah, right. Like, well, that's they, exactly what it reminds me right, of. Right, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like that it looks like it should... Like someone wrote it by hand a thousand years ago, maybe not that long ago. Um, not ve- like it's a cheesy font. It's not very, it's not, it's not what a designer. It's nothing special. It's no. So even like there are, there was SNL did a skit a few years ago with Ryan Gosling who played like this guy who was just like obsessed with the fact that they used papyrus on the avatar poster. <laughs> and they're like, and he like has a mental breakdown and he's like, why did he do it? Um, Wish you should watch that, everyone, because it's hilarious. But it's like it's been a big, a big thing. People have people have very strong feelings about the fact that Avatar uses papyrus, basically because like you, that's like not a lot of effort has gone into choosing that font. No, it's just a font. It's a, it's like and there's nothing changed to it. Yeah, it's too cheesy. So, but now Avatar is getting a sequel. They've released the trailer and the new the new logo, and it's not papyrus. But it's probably worse than papyrus. It is. So the the new font, I'm not sure like if it's an original font or it's based on a font, but it's still that very like textured calligraphy style font, but like a lot bolder, like a lot heavier weight, which is not Tell as you nice. what it reminds me of, the Frozen logo. 
Oh, yeah. That's exactly like the water frozen going vibes. through it. Everything. I feel you. Yeah, frozen so, vibes for sure. And so and it, the only difference is like rather than just, just being a font, it's also the little – the A crossbar in the first A in Avatar is the – Weird flying bird, what well, birds fly, but the weird bird things in Avatar, mm-hmm. it looks like one of them. But the, the new logo is getting a lot of criticism because <laughs> it's not papyrus, but it's also the designer did not do the kerning very well on this. So the if you look at it, the A <laughs> and the V are very far apart and then at the end the A and the R are even further apart. And, like, why is the A and the R? Like, the A looks substantially bigger yeah the a is huge for like whatever reason i don't know why like the tail of the r is also the same yep ridiculous i saw a tweet from a guy called mark englet who is a movie poster designer and he was like i can't wait to see avatar but he spelt it a-v-a-t-a with a giant space and then the r (laughs) hilarious it's really hard to (laughs) it's hard to explain a visual joke on a podcast but anyway they clearly did not learn their lesson because they've got ripped to shreds for 12 years and now they're going to continue to because the new logo is shit too so, sorry to whoever designed it but it's not very good so but hey then i think i heard that there's a third avatar coming out in a few years oh, really? or all soon so hopefully they can replace that font and it won't take them 13 years to get a new <laughs> one again surely they should have just done that properly the first time and then they wouldn't have to do this every single time you would think but they did not learn. Amateur arrows. I mean, their movies can sell themselves. They don't really need a logo to sell that because I love Avatar. I'm a big fan. You are? Oh, I'm a big fan. That's you random. Fan. Oh, like I'm very neutral about Avatar. I'm a big fan. Why do you like, have you watched it like a heap of times? Like so many times. Like I haven't watched it in ages. Yeah. Okay. But like when it came out and like for a few years after, I think me and my brothers would just like watch it constantly. It was really? one of the movies that we just always, if it was on, it was on. Like. That is random. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd like, I remember it being massive at the time. Mm. Like I, I think when I, I think I did see it at the movies and I remember like the, the cinema was like packed. Like I remember there was like so many people and like they must have oversold the tickets because like there were, there were more pe- <laughs> more people than seats in the cinema. Like the whole front was just people sitting. Oh, it's wild. But yeah, I'm. I, look, I'll go. I'll see the new one because I'll be interested to see like why they've bothered to make a sequel so many years later. Mm. Hopefully, it's like I don't know. Surely, like I feel like Avatar was great when it came out. Yeah, probably. Like I probably everything. would not Sequels perform. Not good. But like, I feel like if Avatar came out like today, it probably wouldn't be as popular as it was then. So I will mm. be interested to see how the new one goes. Yeah, me too. I'll definitely go see it. Yeah, I'll go see or it. Or I'll wait for it to come out, you know. Or that, yeah. Gerald. Hey. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to our main chat for yeah. the day? What are we, we talking should. about? So in our main chat for this episode, so a few months ago we talked about what we – thought wish uni taught us yeah um and we spoke about all things that we we came to realize what we didn't learn Mm. at uni exactly how many how many years are we out like eight so long i think i'm out six i'm nine i've been out six and a bit years yeah so nine years or is it more (laughs) no it's six (laughs) (laughs) um so this week we want to chat about like the next phase what comes straight after uni which for both A and I, we got our first jobs in a design studio. Yeah, we did. Um, and with that, we met some pretty incredible people. We had some pretty awesome experiences. So we yeah. kind of want, ah, <laughs> want to delve into that. Um, within our in- industry, industry, mm. I was going to say industry. industry. <laughs> <laughs> Darling. <laughs> There's always conversations around mm. whether you should work in studio, work as a freelancer, start your own business or work like in-house within a company. Um, But for us Mm. in this episode, we're not really going to go into all of that. We're going to go straight down into our studio vibes and what we loved about that. Yes. Loved and and not loved. Yes. (laughs) I mean, we've got to give the best of both worlds, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's kick it off, eh, Bob? Okay. So one thing that I feel like working in a studio has taught me, and this probably applies to a lot of office jobs, not just design, but one thing I learned is that who you work with matters a lot. So I feel like 
um, maybe some people go to work and they're happy to like just have acquaintances, but not me. <laughs> I've learned that I really like having buds around and I – so where, like where we worked, I feel like we were very lucky. I don't think I realized how lucky we were because like it was my, not my first job, but it was my first job in my, prof, like in my applying what I went yep. to school for. Yep. And so I don't think I realized how lucky it is, but we just had such a great group of friends who like none of us work together now and we're still friends. Yeah. I think that it's like, I've, I've noticed like when, in jobs where I haven't had that, how much I don't like not having yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. And, like, even since I, like, started working for myself, like, yes, we still talk all the time, but the banter that we used to have in that office yeah. was so fun. Yeah. And we still managed to get work done. Yeah, we were always so productive. It's not like yeah. we didn't do our work. And but we carried on, like, Looney Tunes. Yeah, we did. Uh, I was probably majority of that. I think we all brought some <laughs> lo- Looney Tunes to the table. But, yeah, I agree. Who you work with absolutely matters and we definitely got very, very lucky. Yep. And also like on the flip side, I think um, if you have people you work with that are not great people, like not just that they're not your friends because it's a fine to have colleagues that are just acquaintances, but like every everywhere in life, whether it's your job or school or whatever there's gonna be people you don't gel with and there will be occasionally dicks and (laughs) (laughs) I've learned that um yeah it's it's not great when you have to deal with people like that it but uh it makes it better when you've got some pals around it does it does it helps you um just like vent that little bit of anger exactly well that's it bit of we we love sharing um like when we have things in common as humans, especially when the thing we have in common is hating something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go a bit rogue. Oh, Gerald's back back in action. Oh my God. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just readjust my microphone. Okay, cool. What else have we learnt, Danny? Who you work for matters just as much it does. as who you work with. Absolutely. So basically this applies to any job as well, not just in a studio, but like if you're working for someone who is so supportive, can give you excellent feedback, they're understanding, they're kind of, they're there to, they gel with you, but they're also there as an authority figure and they can give that like, I was going to say dominance, but no, that's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) But, Um, But like, they're not just your friend they're like yeah they can be your friend but also they're they're the higher authority that will be like (laughs) this cat (laughs) um i have lost my trail so yeah so you need someone there that is there that's supportive they're telling you what to do but they're your friends yeah and then on the flip side of that yeah you could get someone who It's a ball bag. <laughs> ball bag. <laughs> yes, you can. And no matter how hard you try, no matter the people that you're around, yeah. I just don't think you were going to enjoy your workplace no. as much. I think like that quote, what is it? People don't leave jobs, they leave people. I feel like that's very true. Like you, if, like if you are working for someone who is like not either like just like not good at that leadership role or um, or is a dick, <laughs> then it doesn't matter how good the actual work is. Like if you like your work, it doesn't really matter if you have like, if you've got that asshole above you, it doesn't, it doesn't cancel it out. I, I feel like I've, I, I've worked for a couple of assholes in my life and I just like, it you there's just no way that you can stay working for that asshole <laughs> whereas like I have like one in particular boss who I think back on who was just like she was a wonderful boss and I think like those people they just like stay with you like you yeah. just think like I would love you know I, like I don't see that boss anymore but I'm like oh I would love to like run into that person like I would I would, I would have so much time for that person for that person because they were such a good boss. They like, leave an impression on you. They do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next lesson. 
So I think that working in a studio has taught me that like the everyday, like your day-to-day work life uh, matters more than like the really exciting projects, the really big wins. I feel like in graphic design, you can have like some pretty high highs. Like there are some really exciting things. There are great opportunities. Sometimes you get to work on a project and you're like, oh my God, I'm so lucky. I I love this. Um, And the thing with those things is that it's not constant. Like hopefully the work is constant, but the like the ones where you're like, oh my God, I'm so hyped to work on this. They're not constant. And so I think like you need to enjoy the like, what do you do every day? Like a lot of design is not just design. A lot of it is like admin. Yeah, exactly. And so like you need to actually enjoy, like, I don't know if it's like you go have your office and like, you need to enjoy like, go well, at least for me, like my little, like going and getting a coffee routine and like my, like where I work and the people I work with and like what I'm doing for most of my day, that really matters to me. And I think if you're like going through a time where that stuff is not fulfilling you, then it doesn't matter if you had like an amazing project six months ago or whatever, because that doesn't sustain you for that. Mm -hmm. I feel like, and especially because like design work is like, it can be very emotional because it's like you get tied to your work and you take, you can take negative feedback personally Mm -hmm. and you know, it is like any client or customer facing role, you can deal with abuse and that sort of thing. And so like, I feel like you need to be really passionate about graphic design in order to be a designer. It probably applies to a lot of jobs, but you need to be passionate. Otherwise you're not going to be able to like ride out those lows. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? I, I definitely agree. Um, I feel you, you do need a passion for what you're doing because mm-hmm. otherwise you'll just get stuck in a rut. Yeah. You'll get one bad blow yeah. and that will just send you into that rut. Yeah. And what's going to bring you out of that? Like mm. nothing other than really passion and your drive yeah. really to keep going and pushing and creating what doing what you do. Yeah. I feel like the, the for me, like I feel like there was one point where I did lose the passion and I thought like, I actually don't know if I can keep doing this. And like, I found it again, which is great, but it really showed me like, if I, if I got, I don't know, just, yeah, lost the drive for design, Mm -hmm. the negatives become really negative. Absolutely. I was in exactly the same boat Mm -hmm. and that's when I decided like my time's up. Yeah. Like it's time for me to do something else because I lost all passion I just was not motivated to even create anything Mm. like I wasn't enjoying doing branding and now I have branding so it's like kind of like you get to that moment in your career and you're like you need that pivot or that change something little or something massive to change and you'll find your drive and your passion again and you'll just like keep going Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I think that's that's a that's a big one Mm mm-hmm drive yeah and motivation yeah and having something there that's pushing you that little bit i agree it's a tough one mm-hmm. what uh studio has also taught us mm. is how to present our work and how to be confident absolutely um we touched on this in the uni episode i think we touched on it a fair bit because we really didn't do any of that in uni not too much yeah whereas now in a studio you need to be able to present your work mm-hmm. to a client you need to be able to give them an explanation around why you've done something, yeah. um, which is very, I feel, it's very intimidating. It is, yeah, that's a good having, word for it. Having someone sit there and you're like pretty much just spilling your thoughts and your rationale, yep. it, it, <laughs> it's hard not to get really tied up in like the emotions of that design. You kind of, yeah. and like get it out on the table. I remember when I first started, I was just like, yeah like I could barely talk and luckily like the senior designer was always with us in those first initial meetings and it made it like helped watching them Mm, exactly kind of give the rationale around something um but it's definitely a lot that you need to build up that confidence because it's not I don't feel like it's an easy thing for anyone to do no like you basically have to become a salesperson like you need to 
like the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the skill of um, I can't think of the word, but like that really those interpersonal skills and like um, having that confidence and I feel like it comes from practice. It like it comes from experience and like just knowing like knowing that the work you're presenting is good and and knowing that like if they throw a question at you or they have a curveball like you, you know that you're going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. I feel like just yeah, when I first started in our industry, I was petrified of that <laughs> stuff. Like I I remember when like you were my senior and like when pretty early when I started and I remember we had a presentation and you said to me like we had a meeting coming up and you're like do you want to present or do you want me to present I was like I really want you to present like I'm not ready like I just you need that you need to see some like you need to see someone doing it to know what to do like and maybe you need to see someone doing it like a few times before Mm -hmm. you feel okay doing it even just like holding the conversation like yeah, I used to find it hard in the first initial briefing meetings to hold that conversation and have and talk to the client um, without, like, say, the sales guy or the one who, yeah. or the person who won the project. Yeah. I used to find that very hard because I was the newbie in the project, whereas yeah. someone had already been li- liaising with that client. So yeah. I, I really struggled to build that first connection, yeah. like in the first initial stages of the. Um, projects yeah and like that even just um whether it's an in-person meeting or it's over video call like there you know you're usually presenting uh either like multiple people on your team or multiple people on their team no one arrives at the same time like you need to be able to like people skills yeah you need to be able to like really work that room and like be able to hold that conversation like it's it's small talk and like it's I don't think anyone enjoys it but like you need to be able to like you can't just sit there in silence no you need to be able to have those awkward conversations and for them not to come off awkward yeah exactly (laughs) like there are so many little little skills that add up to like running a great meeting Mm -hmm. and we've definitely learned that purely working in a studio not in uni like yeah it's definitely like over the last few years and this is why I feel like it'd be so handy to have do a trade or just whatever yeah in graphic design because totally you, you get that experience like yeah you'd be able to sit in on those meetings and kind of get an idea like totally. I know there's interning and everything yeah but, but like, like make at it, least you get paid yeah. if you do it as an apprenticeship exactly or if it's whatever it is yeah something no. that you're still getting paid for your time absolutely but you're also getting a lot of experience out of something yeah I feel like that is just so worthwhile I especially agree. like because a presentation can make or break that project and that relationship with that client. Yep. No, I feel you. And like the, just like treating it the same way other apprenticeships are treated in Australia. Like it just would make so much sense. It really would. hundred percent it would. Yep. Um, I, so I reckon in the studio, you become a really diverse designer. Mm-hmm. You become an efficient designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mainly because you're never on the one project. Mm. You are constantly hopping project to project. Um, so you really benefit from this. I, well, I found, I find I've benefited so much from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned how to really spread out my time between whatever's on um, and like work efficiently to get those projects done and like keep them ticking away because you're never just working on one project at a time in this yeah. year. Well, we never were. No. We would have, I don't know, maybe three projects each. Yeah, or like you have a project and then you have your retainer clients. So it's like those are more ad hoc pro- like mm-hmm. tasks rather than full-on projects. Like, yeah. And one might be a brand and one might be a website. Like it's very varied. Yeah, it is. And so I feel like you really learn how to manage your time across those things. And you also learn what I found is you learn how to switch off from your surroundings. Mm. I mean, and I mean that as like I could be cracking on off like being a dickhead in the background (laughs) and Elise would just have her headphones on and not paying one bit of attention to me. Yeah, Like you really learn how to, like people say sometimes you're not as productive in the office as you are at home or vice versa. Mm. Um, But I think we really learned how to be like, no, like I need to dial in now or this is not going to get done. And I feel like that's um, really benefited us in a way. Yeah. 
I don't know how, but I feel like it has. Yeah, well, it's just like, uh, I don't know, it for sure is a skill to like be able to tune in and tune out as you need to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, and I think that I, I don't know, I don't think that that it is ever too much of a distraction. I don't think that like having people around you is ever a bad thing. I no. think that the good outweighs the bad of having a great social mm. situation at work. And I also noted down that you also really get a good understanding of different target markets, mm-hmm. mainly because you never like you always got a different audience. You're doing a brand or a website mm. or just a little project for, so you really get an understanding of the target markets because you're researching so many different ones for that particular brand. That's true. I do find like it is fun. It's like it's a fun challenge when you get a project come through because like if you get I don't know a restaurant like. Yes, there is a unique target audiences for every brand, but like I am a patron of restaurants. Like I can put myself in their shoes. Like when you get a client come in and you're like, I literally have no idea what you even do. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, there is so much education, uh, like for me when that happens. And it's so interesting to learn about so many different professions and mm-hmm. their audiences and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a very big highlight of working within a studio. I agree. Um, another thing that we've learnt since being in studio is how to be a web designer. <laughs> like we mentioned it in the in the uni episode, but yeah, just did not learn web design in uni at all. I had I've mentioned before like one semester, but like it was mostly about coding, and like it was not it wasn't like not enough time to learn how to do it properly. It was just like slap things together and hope it works and that sort of thing. (laughs) Whereas like now I can design like a fully custom website. Like you do the whole process, like you do briefing, user journeys, wireframes, like your site map, the design, the responsive designs, like getting it prepared for a developer, like doing every part of a custom website like I've learned every single part of that since being in a studio. Uh, it was exactly the same. It's massive. It's huge. And so. Like and, and for web design to be such a big part of what I do now. Like I'm co- like I never don't have a web project going. Yeah. Man, I didn't learn any of that at uni. It's kind of wild. <laughs> I I agree. It is so wild. And like the fact that you can call yourself like a brand and UI designer mm. is like. It's a big asset. Absolutely. That's yeah. me here saying you're a diverse designer. Yeah. Like you just throw it into a deep end and you evolve with that. Yeah. I think like we, I consider both of us like all rounders, like we can do everything in design, but like not in the sense of like, uh, like I feel like if you're an all rounder, it kind of implies that you're not specialized, but I feel like it's just that we have several very good specializations if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. so like if you can just work the programs like you're halfway there that's great but being able to like having the skill to design something is completely different to being like a brand designer and a web designer and understanding like the uh, huge amount of strategy and research that goes into creating and developing and like mood boards and target audience research and all of that stuff like and and then like user experience design like interface design understanding about accessibility and all of that like it's like so it's such a a great thing to be able to say like to if you're going for a job to be like I am a web designer I am a brand designer like that's so much more valuable to a business Mm -hmm. than just being able to use Adobe programs I agree especially because we never just used Adobe like we were always we like we were playing with like ProtoPie we're playing with Sketch we're playing with what else do we play do we play with Figma Figma um Envision Envision ProtoPie yep uh xd like that is adobe but like there are so many different so many different programs that you have to like be able to use yeah Yeah. even like not even just like the design programs we were using we learned how to use crms we learned how to use i don't know what else did we use like accounting things like things like that 
also very... And, like, the, the CMS of, like, the, you yeah. know, being able to create, like, work in the back end of a website. Yeah. So, so much. Mm-hmm. So, we also learned how to be a brand designer. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first started, I I feel like we weren't really brand designers. We mm-hmm. were logo designers. Exactly. Um, we never really thought about the whole brand, the brand as a whole. We mm-hmm. thought as, is it, we thought... My God, this cat. <laughs> He's scared. Gerald. He's you gonna cop a beat down, bud. A real attention seeker. Go. Be gone. Um Come here. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, so we were pretty much in the frame of mind that a logo was one identity. So we never yeah. really looked at it as a whole brand. And as we kind of progressed and got further down the line, we've also been able to look at like a brand as a whole now. Yes. And we can look at it. And it's been so great that we've been able to get a project from the beginning, say, like, with one of the restaurants we did. Yeah. We got it from the very beginning where we yeah. did naming workshops, yep. we did brand strategies, we did everything for the restaurants, including the website. So we were there from beginning. And marketing. So and even marketing. after. And marketing. Yeah, right. And we even helped do the uniforms. Like, we yep. did like everything. everything. And I guess that's the whole idea of a brand as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Gerald like prepare to launch. He was like a gymnast. He was like, I'm coming for you, Danny. I caught him midair. You, you did. You, good fucker. job. <laughs> um, I don't even know where whole, I'm whole, whole brand. Yeah. Everything. Every aspect. Yeah. And I, uni definitely didn't teach me that for sure. No. I've learned that. I, and it's not just like it's it's learning how to think of it differently, like to like understand when someone says brand, they don't mean logo. Like understanding that if you're creating a brand for someone, like you're helping their business and you're solving problems for their business that are pretty much invaluable. Like that's why branding costs a lot of money that's part of the reason branding costs a lot of money is that like you're not just getting a logo like I feel like if you if you do your job as a designer by the end of the project as long as you have a good client by the end of the project (laughs) your client will think like that was a bargain like I can't like you've provided so much for my business like because you're providing solutions to the business around their whole brand yeah like and not just like like a, a great brand if you're like working with that business from the start, you're probably impacting way more than just anything visual or or like, you know, just the the visual identity. You're probably impacting like so much about how they run their business. 100%. What else have we learned? Um, so I feel like you learn the ropes of what to do if you ever do take the leap of working for yourself or Mm -hmm. starting your own business. Um, you get like, you gain a lot of experience from the business, Mm. business side of things more so like you learn the processes of how to onboard, how Mm. to run to that next stage. You learn how to manage your clients, how to communicate with your clients Mm -hmm. and more so how to communicate with your team. Mm -hmm. So you might not just be a one-man team. Like we had, we had designers, developers, sales, marketing and accounts. Yeah. Like that's a big team. Yeah. And we learn how to like communicate with each of those people. Um, I feel like that's a real big benefit of working in a studio. You also learn like I've learned and what I've implemented in my own business, like what programs are the best to use within the industry. Mm. And like, so like zero or like, Monday or a cello or things like that or how to like store your files so your clients can access them mm-hmm. just things like that um I really find you benefit if you are working in a big studio yeah as opposed to working in-house and like even um because like I haven't worked in lots of different design studios or in how like I haven't had all the different experiences I don't know how it would work but like even I know that it's not necessarily that common for uh design studios to have in-house developers and like sometimes it's just the designers and pretty much everything out of everything else including accounts and everything is outsourced which is fine like that's perfectly reasonable way to do it but I just think that we're lucky that we've like had that experience of everyone being in the one workplace because I feel like it's also made me a better designer, like a better web designer because like you're develop, yeah, your developers right there. You're getting so much feedback. You're able to 
like from the get-go explore ideas together get their input before you're Mm. like way down the road already designed it like having that collaboration I feel like is really useful I do agree the only downside I found with that is now that I don't have a development team in-house well it's me yeah it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you. I thought you were going to say something else. No, it's just I'm so, like we were so used to designing fully custom websites, yeah. and basically we did get some pushback for some things, but not a lot of the time. Well, that's what I, I thought your point was going to be that when you don't have the developer input from the start, you like there's no restrictions yeah so you can kind of go crazy, which is not necessarily a great thing. But I'm like creativity wise. You, if you have your developers right there, you do need to be practical from the start. You yeah. can't just let rip on your no. idea that's going to cost a, a bomb billion dollars to implement. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, we've had a few of those. I have. Look, yeah, yeah. we like to reach reach for the moon. We just reach like to ha- have some fancy things added into the websites, that's I, all. Exactly. I can't do that anymore. Well, yeah, I suppose there's the double-edged sword that if you don't have them, you, you can't necessarily still be that creative. Even to the point of, like, the platform that we developed on mm. to what I am developing on now. Right. God, that mm. thing is like the bee's knee or, or from what I've experienced. Yeah. That that platform is 100% the most easiest platform I have ever come across. Are you talking about Silverstripe? Yes. Let's shout them out. Yeah, Good job, Silverstripe. <laughs> I am. I should. I should. I, should. I don't know why I was you're keeping praise, you're, you're praising them. You don't need to hide their name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Silverstripe is one of the most easiest, flexible programs I've ever seen like even got to work with like even from the sense of from a client perspective to Mm. be able to add pages Mm. wherever they wanted like we were were designing panels so Mm. what that meant was we would come up with the idea of how many panels would be needed in the website and then the client whenever they needed a new page they could just drag and drop these panels in Mm. it was basically like squarespace but super duper custom to what we designed Mm. You can drag and drop anything anywhere. And that has been my limitation since leaving. So you can't do that on the programs you're using? Well, you just can't have it as custom as what we had it. Interesting. Like there is ways around things and you can always add in your own custom code. But then Mm. like that's another um, subscription for the client. Yeah. So like another payment, another blah, blah, blah. So Mm. that has been a limitation I found being able to have the world and now yeah. I can't have the world in web design. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like, you know, um, the, in the same way that some people don't want to invest in design and don't want to invest in um, like the, you know, maybe they want to just have the quick and easy, they just want a mm-hmm. logo or that sort of thing. It's kind of similar, I suppose, for design, for developers mm-hmm. where it's, yeah, it's right. a, um, pro, like for people that are, maybe freelance developers, that sort of thing, like you would probably have the same struggles of like having to convince people of the value of your work and mm-hmm. like a lay person probably wouldn't understand the value of that. They probably don't understand why our websites cost, you know, five, six figures. Yeah. But look for if you <laughs> if you get a client that is like willing to spend that money then the world will be your oyster again. Yes, it would. But um, <laughs> until then, <laughs> I'm fine with just some bugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alrighty. What else have we learnt? We have learnt about upskilling. Yes. So one thing that you noted down, which is a great point, is that um, working in a studio, we have been lucky to have the opportunity to go to things like Adobe Make It and whatever it was called before that. (laughs) Yeah, what was it? There's been a few. Actually, maybe it's not Make It anymore. It's maybe something else now. They've also got like Summit. Like they've got a whole bunch. Yeah, and we. uh, I think I went to one called Adobe and Symposium. Symposium. Yep. I think it was Make It, and then I think it was Symposium. Yeah. Right. It's also been not happening because of COVID. Um, But yeah, those. I feel like those things those conferences are so good for like 
invigorating you and like getting you a bit excited. It's so like it's so nice to have an opportunity to like get out of the office and go do something where you're learning but also having fun. Yeah, it's like <laughs> and it's also like team bonding. Yeah. Which we didn't need any more of. Not that we didn't, like, no, we didn't need more, but, like, honestly, I look back on those times. That was so fun. Like, I remember, remember like the, the one, like, pizza we ate. Oh, oh yeah. Because, it, like, the – so Adobe, um, they have previously held their conferences at, like, the International Convention Centre. So it's, like, Darling Harbour. So, like, we would – get a room. Yeah, we would get a hotel and, like – go out to fancy restaurants and not that we don't do that anyway but, but like it was just so, so fun and, and like we would you know the like conference food was actually good <laughs> so we would like get great food you'd Alcohol. like oh yep you get the work you get to like if you want to there are lots of networking opportunities so you can just like hang out with a bunch of other people and Celeste Barber was at the last one we went to. Who was? Celeste Barber. Oh, she was. I forgot Cracker. about that. She was like the guest speaker. Yeah, she was. And like, yeah, they have all these guest speakers, which is also great. Like you get to go to all these like sessions and learn. It's like being in school where you get, but like way more fun. Where you like <laughs> get to choose your electives. Like you get to choose like what you want to learn. It's just, I love conferences. <laughs> I just love conferences. Yeah. yeah no, but they're a great time. But also like we... Like, so they haven't had Adobe conferences during COVID and we have also stopped working with each other during COVID. Yes. So if I were to go to one... Have fun. <laughs> don't have you anymore. <laughs> don't, like, all like all of us that used to go together all work in different places. Yeah, that's so... Be really then s- there was A. <laughs> Just be a little loner. Well, you can. We could meet each other. I mean, I could still come. I'm you still go. I just but have to pay. You for have to it. pay for your ticket. <laughs> I'm not doing that. No reason. <laughs> just maybe, just like go. I'm like really thinking about like what are the best parts of the of conferences. I'm like, could I just rock up and have some food and leave? <laughs> Should we just go to the grounds of Alexandria? Oh yeah, look that that really solves it. Let's just go out for food. No, yeah. Anyway, I do. I do love go, like. For all of my complaints about the cost of Adobe, do love a good conference. <laughs> Keep running. Which they, yeah. which they charge for. They do charge for, but so. I feel like what we do get is probably not the value of the ticket. Actually, I don't as, know how much the tickets are. I never in, bought them. You get a greater value out of get it. Greater value. Yeah. Like, I feel like you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Conferences are friggin' expensive, though. Yeah. Every time, like, you get, because, like, I get, you know, silver, emails it, about the Silver them. Stripe or the development line? Yeah, the, that one. What's that called? Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. We've I've been to Web Direction. Yeah, that one. Directions, direction. She's, she's costly. That one. <laughs> like there, they that that company runs a bunch. But also, I froth those conferences. <laughs> like no, like I don't know. <laughs> I just I just really like the dude that runs them. He's just lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like he's just a really friendly man. So, <laughs> so I'm kind I of just like him. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you my money. Exactly. You, take it. you are so lovely. Yeah. And they also like they all always have really good speakers. They I've do. learned a lot at those conferences. Yeah, they are handy conferences. But they, yeah, but you will not but see I'm, me at one I'm of them. I'm glad that I don't pay for the ticket. I'm glad that my work. Yeah, has. You, you won't see me at them anytime soon. Well, look, it, it'd be a you could. Put it on tax. <laughs> Be tax deductible. I mean, please. I don't have a development come. team other than myself. Oh, okay, not not that one. But let, let's go make Adobe. It, yeah. I wonder when Adobe are bringing theirs back. It'll be interesting to because see. they. I'm pretty sure they've brought back. I don't know. They had the last one was online, but I wonder. I think they might have. Have they had one this year? I think in America, they're they've. It's easier for them. Yeah. Right. I think they might be having an in person one this year. Oh. We'll have to look into that. Maybe I'm lying. Um, so, A. Yeah. Would you say that you were happy that you worked in our studio? One hundred million trillion billion percent. Uh, was it worthwhile? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, like, it's not like I no longer work in a studio. I still work in a studio yeah. and I still am happy with my choice. I, I think that I can't speak for, you know, people that – like some people just go straight out of uni into – they're like working for themselves. I feel like especially these days with things like Instagram uh, and TikTok kind of allowing people to get a huge following and therefore clients, 
Um, I just don't feel like they have the experience. So I just have to wonder that. I feel like, like it's unless like uni's changed from what we learnt, but like. But I, I feel there's like no way I could have come out of uni and started that. I feel like a lot of I feel like I see people those kind of your Instagram designers who are real designers. I'm not saying they're not, but like they're like my Instagram my designer influencers. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of them also say that they didn't get much out of their design degree, degree training, whatever. And so I'm like, I don't like. If I've learnt so, so much, like I feel like I learnt more at one year in the industry than three years in uni. Like if I've learnt all of this since being in a studio, it's not like they can't learn a lot of those things themselves, but I just feel like you're like, it must be so much harder. Like Mm. I don't know how you would, like you wouldn't have, like you can watch lots of courses and watch things on YouTube, but like you don't have someone there to like learn from Mm -hmm. to figure out how to present and all those non-design things, the things that aren't related to just like honing your skills Mm -hmm. or like your design skills. I just don't know how you'd learn all that. Yeah, no, me either. It would be really hard. It would be really hard and not to mention time consuming. Yeah. You're not getting paid while you're learning this stuff. You're either doing a real bodge job for your clients. That's true. While you're learning Mm. or you're just some kind of super freak. I don't know. Yeah, maybe people just don't have this issue. Maybe they're just amazing. (laughs) Maybe... But Maybe. I, I just, yeah, no, I feel like I, I would not, I would not trade working in a studio for anything. I also wouldn't trade, like, I'm so glad that we, like, I feel like we, I, I'm very happy with the studio that I chose to start with because like, I feel like we've had a lot of great opportunities. Like we talked about, like having those developers, everything around you, like I've learned so much, you know, there's been a great balance of freedom and like being given things like being given responsibilities and things and like getting to do projects from the start and having a lot of responsibility but also still having people to learn from can't really fault the things I've learned I will say I agree I feel like it's been my way that I have thrived I agree working in the design studio not not saying it's everything's perfect by no means but I'm just I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it is what I'm saying. No, I agree. I would not not trade it for the world and mm. because of the friends that I Yeah, met. also that like I, <laughs> I I would I would put up with a lot of shit just to just to have met you, D. Uh, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like like I've worked with some pretty amazing clients yep. in my time at the studio that I would not have imagined of working in within the first my first like job yeah. or career not to mention making senior designer and head designer all yeah. in one studio like yeah. that's just not something I thought would have been possible if I didn't head into the same studio like the studio that we did work in yeah so I've been like very grateful for my growth yeah. within that studio but I agree it also helped me um like step out of my comfort zone and build up my confidence mm-hmm. a heck of a lot. Yeah. And I got to the point where I, it was my time to leave. So mm-hmm. I, so I did, I left and I started my own studio. Um, and, but there is no way I could have done that without the, like the support systems that we had around us. Like they were, we learned so much from everyone within that studio and I, yeah, I just feel like I can now handle very sticky situations. Mm-hmm. I can now have those really awkward conversations and mm-hmm. start those conversations. Um, but it, also in saying that, I feel like since I have left, I've grown into a completely different designer mm. than I was at the studio. Um, and it is a whole level, like a whole another level of being fulfilled with your career. Mm-hmm. Like I loved what I did, yeah, but I love what I'm doing now. That's fabulous. It's a great time. (laughs) Um, So that kind of wraps up our little chat about what we learned in our time and a still time at Mm -hmm. the design studio. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you can see it's kind of pretty positive for us, the studio experience. We've had a pretty good experience overall. Yeah. It's not not just about, like, the specific uh, place we worked. It's about, like, the our you know experience working in a studio as opposed to you know in-house all those all those options it's you know you've also had a lot of experience working for yourself which is a whole other ball game which it is maybe we'll speak about that in a future episode maybe 
I'll be a fun one, won't it? You mm. can learn about all my fuck-ups. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, pals, follow us on Insta and TikTok at the WTN pod. Do it. And stay tuned for us. For us? Yeah, stay tuned for us. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to pop our heads up there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, stay <laughs> tuned for whatever comes next, guys. Bye. Bye.